Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We finished up our close series last week. Um, we're starting what I, I call, um, I come up with these in-betweeny weenie series is what I call them. Um, and we're, we're on an in-betweeny weenie series right now um, because here in three weeks, we're going to start a series leading up to Easter because we're getting close to Easter. Um, and the series is going to be called Finished. We're going to talk about how what Jesus did on the cross means that certain things in your life are finished. Um, so in between the close series and in between the finished series, we have two, maybe three weeks, depending on spring break schedules and all that stuff. So we've got a two to three week in between weenie series. Um, and we're calling this series Locked Up. Uh, we're calling the series Locked Up, Faith Behind Bars. We're going to be talking about people who got locked up in the Bible, people who were in prison in the Bible. Now, the idea here is most of you probably, hopefully, don't relate to being in prison. Um, I don't think any of you have been in prison that I know of. I mean, I haven't run criminal background checks on you guys. Um, But I don't think you guys have been in prison. Um, We're going to talk about guys that have been in prison because what you're going to learn is that a lot of these people that have been in prison in the Bible, they were in prison for doing the right things. Like, they were unfairly put in prison, and some of us can relate to that. So I thought I'd start out by um, talking about really bad prisons to be in, prisons you wouldn't want to be in, and this is a picture of what's considered to be the world's worst prison. It's called the Sabantana Prison, and it's in Venezuela. Venezuela has the world's highest homicide rate. Um, So they've got a lot of murderers, Um, like a lot of murderers. So what do you do with thousands and thousands of murderers? I mean, I've got a couple ideas, but I don't know if that would be politically correct. But, um, yeah, and, and they don't like my ideas in Venezuela, apparently, either. So what they do is they have this, um, yeah, this, this prison called Sabatina Prison, and of the inmates, 3,700 of them are, are considered to be the most violent people in Venezuela. And what they do is this is literally where they stay. 3,700 guys packed into this little area. If it rains, it rains on them. I don't think it snows in Venezuela, but if it were to, you know, global warming and all this climate change, not that it would actually happen, but, uh, you know, if for some reason it snowed, it would snow on them. If it storms, it storms on them. Um, They don't really have bathrooms. They have troughs um, that don't get clean. (laughs) They're troughs. (laughs) And and they don't really clean them out, you know. So so they have, um, they're, they're forced, and they have this, like, kind of like, I don't know what you call it, kind of a caste system where there's some prisoners that are more important than others. Um, they have to pay the, in, you know, they have to like pay each other with like cigarettes, like if they want a place to sleep. If not, you have no place to sleep. Like, because there's not enough room apparently for all of them to lay down at the same time or they'd be laying on top of each other. So some people have to stand and some people have to sleep. So to be in this prison, you have to be like a really bad dude. I mean, they don't send like, like if you get a speeding ticket, you don't go to this prison. Like you have to kill somebody. Like you, you got to be a bad, bad person. But can you imagine being in this prison? Can you imagine if you were wrongfully accused of something and you got put in that prison? Like can, can you imagine how terrible that would be? Um, we're going to be talking about someone who was put in prison, wrongfully accused, put in prison for doing the right thing. And what I want you to think about tonight is obviously you guys don't li- you may think your house is a prison. How many of you think your house is a prison? Anybody here? You, you're like, my house is a prison and my dad's the warden. Like, <laughs> you may think that, but be glad you're not in this prison, right? Um, so, um, so but, but here's what I want you to think about is what, what in my life 
What in my life kind of feels like a prison? What in my life kind of feels like I've got like bars around myself? Um, like I remember when I was in middle school, I got picked on a lot until um, I found out I could fight back. Um, but you're not supposed to do that, right? They tell you not to do that. You tell a teacher. Um, but, you know, um, anyway, um, I got picked on a lot, and I remember, like, dreading, I don't know if you ever felt like dreading going to school because it felt like a prison, and you're at the bottom of the pecking order. So maybe you feel like your school's a prison. Um, maybe not that you feel like your home's a prison, not just because, oh, I got these rules, and I can only be on my phone sometimes. I'm not talking about stuff like that. I'm talking about, like, you live in a dysfunctional family, and when you go home, it feels like you're in prison. Um, what, what's the prison? What's the prison in your life? Um, sometimes prison is like when you're between like interesting points in your life. Like you got to high school. Now high school's boring. College is a year away, two years away, and you just feel like you're stuck. Um, so what's your what prison do you feel like you're in tonight? What I want what I want us to learn about is that we can find joy behind bars, um, even though we're in a place we don't want to be in life. Even though like we say our life is terrible. Um, and maybe it really is, even if your life is terrible, even if you're in a place you don't want to be, you can have joy. So um, if you have your Bible, turn to Philippians 1. Um, and you know, we talk about people that were sent to prison for, like, the wrong reasons. Um, this is a guy who was sent to prison for the wrong reason. Um, Philippians 1 is written by um, a man named the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was someone who met Jesus and Jesus said, Paul, I want you to go around the world and tell other people about me. So Paul went, and I mean, he went to, from city to, if you read the book of Acts in the Bible, you'll read where Paul went from city to city to city to city to city, telling people about Jesus. Um, there were times the people didn't want to hear about Jesus, and they beat, they beat Paul up. There was one time they didn't like Paul so much that they took stones, and they just started stoning him. They started throwing boulders at him until they thought he died. Because he just wasn't, he, he wasn't even, you know, he wasn't, they thought he died. They're like, oh, he's like just laying there, not moving. He must be dead. And it turns out he didn't, he almost died. Um, there were times where he was put in prison and God delivered him out of prison. And now he's like an old man and he's been put in prison again. And this time he's in the big house. This time he's in the prison in Rome. Romans weren't protecting him. Romans were putting him in prison. And he was, in a he was in a prison in Rome, and, um, and it was these terrible conditions. And imagine Paul sitting there like he did the right thing. He did what God told him to do, and here he is in prison. He's locked up. But for some reason, when you read what Paul has to write here, he, he writes about having joy. So look at Philippians 1. We're going to kind of look at the whole chapter, but I want you to zero in on um, four, three verses here, verses 12 through 14. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So Paul is writing this. He's in prison. He's writing to his friends that are in a church in a city called Philippi, and he's saying, you know what? Yeah, I'm locked up, but I'm happy. I'm locked up, but I have joy. And they're all like, how in the world can you have joy? So he explains it. So we're going to talk, talk about four ways how, like, you, know, you think you feel like you're in prison, right? Um, yeah, how many of you don't have to raise your hands? How many of you feel like your life is like a prison right now? 
How can I have joy even though I'm in this prison? We're going to look at four ways. And by the way, joy is a choice. Happiness is depending on your circumstances. You know, if everyone in your house is in a good mood and you're happy, you didn't really have any control of that. Um, Joy is something that you choose. Um, In James, it says, choose joy. So this is, joy is a choice. um, And even if you're in prison, you can still choose joy. So here are four, we're going to talk about four. And of course, I always make my words match, right? Um, We're going to talk about four ways um, to have joy. And if you look at them, they're all um, choosing. So the first one is joy is choosing transformation over tantrums. Joy is choosing transformation over tantrums. Um, If you look at verse 16, um, of, of this chapter here, um, it says, The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for defense of the gospel. Um, what Paul started to realize as he's writing this letter to the Philippians is, I'm in prison, but I'm in prison for a reason. The experiences I'm going through are actually changing me. Um, you know, Paul didn't have the best life, um, but he was able to see God working in his life. Um, Sometimes we, we forget that our, we're a product not just of our, the good things that happen to us, but we're a product of the bad things that happen to us. And um, when I was thinking about that, I thought about, yeah, I used to run with the kind of, I don't know, probably not the best group of friends. Anybody ever have experience with that? Or, you know, you know right now you're like, you know, I, I'm running with some friends that are, you know, sometimes they're okay, but sometimes they make me do really stupid things. Well, um, I had this group of friends, and the group of friends were Brad, Daniel, Lance and John, not that John. Uh, <laughs> he's a good friend. This is a this was bad John. <laughs> this was John's alter ego. Okay, uh, <laughs> so but what what we would do is we would stay out till all hours of the night. And I mean it was kind of it wasn't like necessarily bad stuff always that we were doing. But we like to camp out. Well, one night we decided that we um, wanted to um, make a big fire, and we didn't have enough gas. So we all decided, we, this is when gas was a lot cheaper, we'd all chip in and buy about 15 to 20 gallons of gasoline and see what we could do with it. And that wasn't even the stupidest thing we did that night. I'm going to tell you about the stupidest thing we did that night. My friend John had a truck. It was a little Ford Ranger. You can only fit three people in it, and there were five of us. So Brad and I did what every idiot does. We got in the back of that truck, and John was a very... He said he was a good driver, but his definition of a good driver was meant, I can go around this corner at 80 miles an hour without rolling my truck. So um, we were on these back Ohio roads, and I was looking through the window of his truck, and he was literally going 80 miles an hour on these back roads. And every time he'd go around a corner, I would slide from one side of the bed of the truck to the other and slam against the side of the truck. And I was was so mad at him, because we were yelling for him to slow down. And I was... and. There in the bed of that little Ford Ranger, I made some decisions. I said, I'm never going out with these guys again. Um, I'm, well, first off, I'm never getting in a truck with John, whether I'm in the back of the truck or the front of the truck. Um, and, and I'm going to start finding better people to hang out with. Um, because there are some other things they were doing that just weren't quite right, too. So, uh, yeah, I was making that decision. I, was in, I wasn't necessarily in prison. I was in a near-death experience. Like, and I'm not even joking. Like, he hit a couple bumps, and we came up out of the, like, we're, we were floating in the, don't, you know, don't, you know, the whole, don't do this, kids. Yeah, there you go. Um, but what I'm saying is, sometimes the things that scare us the most, the things that really 
you are not good. And sometimes they're even a product of our own stupidity. Like the prison you're in is a product of your own bad choices. But those prisons, those experiences will transform you. Guess what? I started making better choices about my friends. And I started hanging out with other guys, and they started to help me transform. But that all started in the back of a truck. <laughs> never mind. Uh, <laughs> you could take, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, you could take that a couple different directions. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, I've got a story of how I was transformed. God may be writing a story in your life about how you're going to be transformed and made to be more like him because of the struggle that you're going through. Paul was sitting in prison, not a place he would want to be. Like if he had a choice, of course he would say, no, I do not want to be in prison. But he is transformed. If you look through this passage, you see that in verse 3, he's thankful. In verse 4, he has joy. Um, In verse 9, he's praying, and and you see this transformation that's going on. And by the way, some of us think we're too mature, like we've been Christians long enough. Oh, God can't, you know, I I have no transformation left. I'm the best Christian in the world. I get up every morning, my poop don't stink. Well, guess what? We're all smelling something, right? We're all smelling something. Um, I don't care if you've been going to church ever since you were born. I don't care if you've gone on 50 mission trips. I don't care if you read your Bible every day. Guess what? You have growing to do in Christ. You have transformation. Whether you're 40 years old or you're 14 years old, God still wants to transform your life. You see, Paul, at the end of his life, he's still learning new things, and God is still working in his life. So what is God doing in your life? Sometimes we need to stop looking at the prison that surrounds us and start looking at God and seeing what he's doing in our life. So yeah, you're in prison. Yeah, you're in a terrible situation in your life right now. Why don't you look and see what God's doing? I love asking myself this question at the end of every day. Where did I see God today? How did I see God working in my life? I think if we started asking ourselves that question, we'd be seeing God a lot more and we'd have more joy in the circumstances we're in. So I want to choose transformation over tantrums. You know, sometimes we get so mad at what God has allowed in our life, we're like, I'm going to fight God instead of letting him transform me. We throw a tantrum over letting, instead of letting him transform us. So the first step, if we're going to have joy in our prison, we choose transformation over tantrums. The next thing we do, we choose unity over ugliness. Look at the person next to you and say, don't be ugly. Okay? Ugliness is so much more than right here, you know? Here's what I've learned. You can, fi- you, you, you can fix the ugly in the mirror. You can fix the ugly in the mirror. You know, you can paint that barn. You know, you can go see doctors for a little snip snip here and a little Botox here. You know, you, know, you can fix that kind of ugly, but the ugly inside is really hard to fix. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been that way. You know somebody that's that way. Um, well, let's not name names. <laughs> But, um, but um, look in verse 14. Look in verse 14. It says, because of my chains, because I'm in prison, most of the brothers and sisters, a.k.a. my brothers and sisters in Christ, my church family, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul had this huge posse of people that were supporting him called the church. 
Um, you, if you're part of, you, yeah, I sound like Uncle Sam. If you're part of our youth group, guess you may not realize this or not. Maybe we don't tell you this enough, but you've got a huge posse that's supporting you. And what Paul realized is all these people are looking at me to see how I'm handling this. And they've heard that because of what I'm doing, people are actually getting saved in the jail. Like people were actually getting, like the prison guards were getting saved because Paul was in the jail. Talk about that in a minute. So people were taking notice and other Christians were taking notice and they're like, you know what? If Paul can share about Jesus in a jail, maybe I can share about Jesus at my school. So, you know, everybody's getting more bold and more confident. Another thing we see is that this church that he's writing to in Philippi, they sent someone to go encourage Paul. And it was not, it was a long journey. It was a couple hundred miles from Philippi to Rome. Um, they pretty much said, like, we're going to pretend that Avery is, Onet- is Onesiphorus, okay? But we're just going to call him Avery because Avery is a lot easier to say than Onesiphorus, okay? So imagine if, if you know, let's see. Imagine if Evan has been imprisoned for his faith, and he's at the big house, Staten Island, New York, like the bad one. Or no, no, they sent him to California to Folsom Prison. Johnny Cash sang about your experience, okay? So, so, yeah, so Evan's singing Folsom Prison Blues. He's with a bunch of murderers. He's been unjustly thrown in prison. As a youth group, as Refuel, we all get together. We pool our money together, and we give it to Avery. We say, Avery, Take this money, use it for travel expenses to get to um, Folsom, but don't, and encourage Evan, but don't waste it all on stuff you don't need because when you get there, we want you to make sure Evan has enough food and has enough water. We want to make sure Evan, all his medical needs are taken care of. And I want you to stay there with Evan in the jail for four months or so and just encourage him. That's what this church at Philippi did. They sent someone from their church. They pulled all their money together, and they gave it to this guy and said, go take it to Paul and make sure he's doing okay. Can you think about the love that they showed? So there's this back and forth. Paul's in prison in this terrible circumstance, but you see this church that's coming to support Paul, and then Paul is getting emboldened to share Jesus in the, with the palace guards, so people are getting saved there. The people back at the church here, they find out that Paul is a baller for the gospel in prison, so now they're excited. They want to be ballers for the gospel wherever they go. You see how this terrible circumstance has actually brought people together. Um, I've got a picture up here of... Um, something that you are too young to remember. How many of y'all were born on or before before the year 2011? On or before the year 2011, okay? Um, Even if you were born then, you probably don't remember the event of September 11th, 2001. It's weird for me to think about because as a as a, a, a dude that graduated in the year 2004, me and all my friends, our lives were defined by that moment. I was, sit, I was the class president in 10th grade, which is not a huge accomplishment when you have 26 people in your class at Grace, Grace Christian School. But, you know, I was class president. We were having our class meetings, and our math teacher, Mrs. Hughes, burst into the room and told us that um, two airplanes had flown into the World Trade Center. Um, that um, a plane flew into the Pentagon. So everybody rushed into the library at Grace Christian. We were watching this happen on TV. Um, And it was this moment that pretty much the whole nation came to a screeching halt. And um, the next day, every congressman and every senator stood on the steps of the Capitol. They joined hands, and they sang God Bless America together. There were Democrats holding on to the hands of Republicans. Republicans. 
and they were singing together. Like, that's a, that is a once-in-a-lifetime thing because they don't like each other. You probably, even if you don't care about politics, you probably figured that out, right? Um, and and th- it was this moment of unity. What did it take to bring about that unity? By the way, the unity didn't last very long. Um, what, uh, what did it take to bring about that unity? It took a tragedy. It took something that involved suffering. And yeah, I would not, yeah, it, I'm not glad 9-11 happened, trust me. That's a, it was a terrible thing. But what I'm saying is God works through these situations to bring about unity. God works through our difficulties to bring unity in our church. Um, you, some of you this weekend got to see just a little glimpse of how our church responds to suffering. You worked in the food and clothing pantry, and you went and visited nursing homes. And you saw how it has a unifying effect. Well, Sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, it has a unifying effect on, on, on people. So as you're thinking about that, ask yourself, um, am I being unifying or am I being ugly? Because sometimes when we go through like bad personal things in our life, we have the tendency to lash out at people who are trying to help us. I'm guilty of that sometimes too. Um, so w- joy behind bars is choosing to allow ourselves to be unified. Um, this, if I could say, is probably the most important one. Joy is choosing mission over misery. Um, there's this word, Greek word of the day, okay? You ready to learn your Greek word for tonight? The word is evangelion. What does that sound like? I don't know. It's, it sounds like, sounds like an electric eel. Okay, so look at the verse next. You say evangelion. Practice it, okay? Um, you learned another Greek word. What that word means... What that word means, it's translated two ways. It's translated two ways. Um, in most literature that's not biblical literature, it's translated to be good news. In the Bible, it's translated to be gospel. And if you, this is the one passage in the Bible, they say, where this word, evangelion, is used more often than any other passage in the Bible. The central theme of this passage, you know, some people say it's joy, some people say it's suffering. I would submit to you the central theme of this passage is one thing, it's evangelion. It's the gospel of Jesus. If you look from the beginning to the end, it's all about the good news. What is the good news about Jesus anyway? Well, that's good news. I, well, pretty much the the convolution of all that, or that you bring it. Yeah. Well, I, I like what George did. He just pointed to the cross. That's it right there. Um, the good news about Jesus is that he died for our sins and he rose again and he's alive. So this was central. And what we learn is that the gospel. Even though Paul was behind bars, you can't put the gospel behind bars. And think about this. Paul's got all these big, bad, I mean, to be a Roman soldier and to be a Roman guard, you had to be, you know, you know, you had to be a big dude. And uh, you had to have big, broad shoulders. You had to have the pecs, you know. Like, you had to be a big, bad dude. And Paul is going up to these big, bad dudes, and he's sharing the gospel of Jesus with them. And they're getting saved. And there is a revival going on in this jail, and everybody's mind is being blown. And Paul had two choices. He could have chosen to be mad and to be upset and to sit there in the corner of that jail cell and be like, man, I can't believe it. I've worked for God all my life. I was put in for the wrong reason, and I'm just feeling so sorry for myself. But he didn't do that, did he? 
Anytime someone would come to his room, anytime someone would, anytime someone would be there, he would share about Jesus. He'd share about Jesus. And what he says here, in, um, well, it's actually verse 12, he talks about it several times, but he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Is it possible that in your life, what happened to you can actually serve to advance the gospel? Is it possible that through the loss of that person that was really close to you, doors are open for people to be saved and for people to come to Jesus? You know, is it possible that even though you, know, you went through this like terrible breakup experience that God can use that for you to tell other people about Jesus? Is it possible that whatever prison you're in is not meant to close you in, but it's meant to give you the opportunity to share with other people about Jesus? Um, so that's, you know, they say God doesn't waste a good hurt. You know, some of us are in prison because of what we've done, because of what others have done, but joy is choosing ministry over um, of, of misery. I'll hit the last one, and we'll get to tag. Sorry, I'm kind of going long tonight. Joy is choosing grace over grumbling. Um, can I get, teach you just one more Greek word? It's charizomai. Charizomai. Okay, you guys are repeating it. You guys are, uh, I love you guys. Um, so, <laughs> I love you guys. But this is a verse that's kind of one of those very hard verses. Um, it's one of those very hard verses. It's verse 29. It says that God... It says it's been granted to you, he's talking to Christians, on your behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. And this word, it has been granted, some other versions say it differently, it's the word charizomai, and what it means is that it's a gift of grace. So think about what this verse is saying, is that God's gift of grace to you is two things. It's to believe in him, and we understand that, but God's gift to you is also to suffer for him. Why in the world would God allow us or consider a gift that we can suffer for him? Why would he, why would he say that? Why would he say that? Um, I ask myself that question sometimes because I think it's very... Um, it's a very difficult thing for me because, you, I mean, I'm not going to cry to you guys, but, you know, there's things that I feel like I suffer for. And I'm sure you, you know, if I were to ask you, there's things you feel like you're suffering for too. So what, why is that? Why is that? Can it be that maybe the thing that we're suffering through at some point is going to be the thing that um, we enjoy the most? Um, you know, 10 years ago, um, you know, there, there were a lot of things going on, a lot of changes in my life that I really was not excited about. Um, you know, certain people were in my life, and then they weren't able to be in my life, and people I thought I could depend on um, weren't in my life anymore. I thought, God, why in the world are you doing this? Why are you making me suffer? But a couple things that I learned through that suffering is that, A, I really like you guys, and I want to be a youth pastor. If I hadn't gone through that suffering, I never would have realized that. B, if I wouldn't have gone through that, I would have never found my wife, and I'm pretty pretty happy that I have my wife. Um, it, just so many things that, ha that I was given as a result of that suffering, but if I wouldn't have gone through it, if I wouldn't have walked through it, I never would have experienced that. So the question for you, question for you, what's your prison? What do you feel like you're suffering through? 
Um, there can be joy behind bars if you choose it. If you choose grace, choose to accept God's gift of suffering um, over grumbling about it. Um, so I had some application points. I don't think I can get to them tonight. Why don't you just, can you put that last slide with the four of them on there? Um, get the Refuel app, and you can, you can kind of follow along with these, but they're all T words. You need to tune into what God's doing in your life. Say, where did I see God? Um, you need to get tight. That's the, I had to really work for that T word. You have to get tight with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Everybody needs somebody by their side when they're in prison. Everybody needs a cellmate. So look at the person next to you and say, will you be my cellmate? Okay? Will you suffer with me? Um, here's the thing. Use your suffering for the gospel. Tell one person about Jesus by the end of the week. And here's the final thing. Trust God with blank. I'm going to let you fill in the blank. Trust God with blank. What's the one thing you need to trust God with this week? So where I put a blank, I want you to write something. If you're taking notes, if you're not, take a mental note. I want you to write mentally. Write a word into that blank. That God, this week, I'm trusting you with blank. Okay? So we're going to pray. Um, then we're going to go to tag. And then we'll get out of here. So let's all bow our heads and let's pray together. Um, God, thank you for your gospel. Um, it can't be put behind bars. No matter what we're going through, um, it's not bigger than you. So we thank you for that. Um, God, these are, these are things that hurt. Um, they're still raw. Um, there's situations that are going on in our lives that we can't control and we get worried about it, we get concerned about it, we feel surrounded and suffocated by it. But God, thank you that you're in control. Um, thank you that you're with us. Uh, thank you that even no matter what we're going through, we can experience joy. Uh, so I pray that you'll give us the strength and the courage to, to choose joy tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.